Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you once again. If you have your Bible, would you take it and uh, turn with me to the book of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 12 is uh, where we're going to be today. We are in the middle of a three-week mini-series that we're calling True North. And uh, the whole idea of this, of this series and the title of this series is to really stop for a moment and understand where we are on our journey of faith, where we are um, on our walk and how God has, has uh, spoken to us and where we are in alignment with Him. And one of the things that we talked about uh, last week is that it's very easy, it's very easy to drift off course from God. It's very easy in our lives to find seasons or, or times in our, in our life where we can look back and, you, and say to ourselves, you know what, in that period of time, I, I just wasn't connecting with God. I can, I can look back to that season and say, I was really drifting from him. I didn't know where he was. I didn't understand what he was doing. His, his, his messages that I was hearing as I was living my life at that time were, were, just didn't make sense to me. In fact, what was going on in my life as I tried to align that with what God's purpose and plan was for me individually, it seemed really kind of skewed. And, and, and if I had to be honest with myself, I'd stop and say, I had no idea what God was doing. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't figure him out. I just was totally confused and I didn't know what he was doing. He was incomprehensible at times. And, and for me at times it was, it was almost like he was inaccessible. Those were some of the thoughts that we carried last week as we opened this whole series. That, that there is a way that God has shown us to live. There is a fixed point on a map. There is true north. There is a way and a pattern and a, and a way that we are to live and walk our lives. And, and it becomes very easy for us over time to stray from that. Perhaps it's one degree, perhaps it's ten degrees, but it's very easy to stray off course with the path that God has chosen and asked for us to live. And one of the things that we mentioned last week, three things that we mentioned, just highlight quickly. One is that, that, it's, that in, this, in this distance from God, it's not necessarily a cataclysmic event that happens in our lives that throws us off course with God. Something For a lot of us, it's not something major that has happened in our life that just knocks the, the wind out of our sails and blows us off course. But for many of us, it's just, it's just uh, an incremental drifting, if you will. And again, in the short run, one degree over time, uh, in the short run, one degree is not that big of a deal, we would say to ourselves. It's not that big of a deal to be one degree off course with what God has for us. But the trouble is we often don't recognize it at one degree. What happens is we recognize it when we get 10 or 20 or 15 degrees off course and we look back on our lives and we realize, wow, look how far I've gone from what God has asked me to do, how God has aligned um, the way of, of a Christian life, how God has fixed true north in our lives. Look how far I've gone. That it's often not one major thing, but that we just sense, sense a drifting in our hearts. And the reasons we drift are just as varied as the number of people are in this room today. 
For some of us, it's disappointments. For some, it's unmet expectations or strained relationships that are going on in our lives. For some of us, for some of us, it's family drama. And in our family drama, we get pulled off course with what God has for us and how we should live our life. Have you ever experienced family drama? Anybody? I have, I'm a, I'm a father of four and three of those four are daughters. I have drama. Okay. I've got enough drama going on. And there are times when it pulls your attention off of the direction that God has for you. Many of us experience that kind of family drama. For some of us, um, it can be real, real harassment of our faith. You know, we, we notice in the, in the scriptures, one thing we talked about last week is that in the Bible, it talks about uh, the persecution of our faith. We're persecuted because of the belief that we have. And we talked and we mentioned last week that in currently, currently in our North American church and in our North American culture, I don't think we really understand persecution the way the early New Testament writers wrote that. We feel, we feel harassment. I don't know that we feel that persecution. When we look globally at what's happening to Christians around the world, many, many people are experiencing persecution. We face a lot of harassment. But that doesn't mean it's not real. For many of us uh, in here, you may be facing harassment at work or in your community or even from your family members because of the faith that you live out, the stance that you've taken in who God is and who Jesus Christ is and your desire to walk that way. And for some of us, you face real harassment. And at times, that harassment has pulled you away from the path that God wants you to walk. That harassment has done its job and taken your eyes off the course, off of true north, and began to veer your lifestyle in a different way. For each and every one of us, how we drift and the reasons for drifting are varied, but the reality is we all drift at times. The second thing that we looked at last week is that we can all come home. We can all get back. It's not a once you're off course, you're off course forever. There's a way and there's a direction and there's a path that God has for us. And if we wander, God has enough love and grace and mercy and forgive us forgiveness to bring us back on the path that he has for us and bless us and move us and guide us in that path. Once you're off course, you don't have to stay off course. But the reality is this. The sooner we understand that we're off course, the better. Because if, if we understand that we're off course in the early run, we have less junk to deal with in getting back on, on path with God than the, longer, than, than the longer it takes for us to realize that. Again, one degree in the short run is not probably that big of a deal for us to get back, ask for forgiveness, and find our way back on path with God. But one degree protracted over a long period of time is so far off course that when we finally come back, we have to deal with the circumstances and, and the, the, just the junk that we've gotten ourselves into even when we get back on course with Him. It's not improbable. It's not impossible to get back on course with God. It's very possible. We still have to deal with the consequences that we've encountered while we've been off course. The third thing that we realized last week is that the writer of Hebrews is encouraging the Christians 
He's encouraging the church to not give up. Even though life is hard, even though life is difficult, even though there are various reasons of why we've gotten off course, and, though, and even though that some of us have been off course for a long period of time, it doesn't mean that we have to quit. In fact, the writer of Hebrews is painstakingly writing that we can persevere, that we can go on, that we should not give up. When we looked at this passage last week, we put it in the context of looking at chapters 10 and 11. And in chapter 10, you remember the writer of Hebrews said, we are not of those who shrink back. We are not of those who quit. We are not of those who give up. So press on, keep fighting, keep moving, keep going. And when he hit chapter 11, he said, you can walk in full assurance that you can get on this path with God and stay on this path and, and have him guide you in the way that he wants you to live. This path is fixed. This path is fixed in a, in a direction that is Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. In John chapter 14, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus draws a line in the sand and he said, I am the way. When you take the name Christian, when you walk this life of faith, there is a path, there is a way, there is a truth, there is a life to walk in. And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging the people to not give up when hardship presses in, when you feel like you've gotten knocked off course. Don't quit. Don't give up. You can always come back. Stay on course. Keep fighting. Keep straining. Keep going. And he said in chapter 11, he said, look at the faith of those who have gone before you. And he puts it in the terms of a cloud of witnesses. And he references back to the Old Testament, all the ancients of the Old Testament. And he said, look at their life. Look at how they live. Look at what they experienced. They being on the, on the backs, on the front side of Jesus. Jesus wasn't even there yet, but they still lived by faith. He said, look at their example and how they persevered. And what we noticed about this cloud of witnesses, if you go back and you read down through their lives and you go back and cross-reference it with their stories in the Old Testament, they're just as flawed as we are. In fact, many of them are more flawed than we are. And that's saying something for some of you. That's a joke. You should laugh at that. The reality is we're all flawed. The reality is there are no perfect people. We looked back at the ancients in that chapter. There was lists of, of, of family division, of prostitution, of murder, of coercion. These things were going on. And yet these were the people that were commended because of their faith. You know why? Because they didn't give up. They kept pressing on. They found forgiveness. They found grace. They found mercy. And they came back on path with God. And how they got back on path with, with God was was through this, that God met them exactly where they were with exactly what they needed to get them to be exactly where God wanted them to be. It didn't matter how flawed they were. It didn't matter how broken they were. It didn't matter how much faith they actually lacked in a moment. God met them exactly where they were with exactly what they needed to get them on exactly the right path so that God could use them to advance the kingdom. And so as the writer of Hebrews talks, paints that, that entire picture, he says to the church and he says to you and me today, don't give up. It's an issue of perseverance. 
But in addition to perseverance, he says it takes some persistence. And in persistence, it takes discipline. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. That not only do we have to persevere in our faith, this kind of theoretical term, but now we're actually going to put some feet to it. It takes persistence. And in the persistence, we need discipline. And that's why he writes in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he writes this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Remember, that was last week. That was the example that we looked at. All of these people who were encouraging us on, even though you're flawed, even though you're broken, still surrender and persevere to God. And he'll put you on that path and he'll move you in the direction that you need to go. So since that cloud sits there for us to look back on and and remember that we can persevere too, he says this, let us throw off. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There There are two critical steps, two critical disciplines that the writer of Hebrews gives to the church to help them run, not only with perseverance, but with persistence. Two disciplines that need to be evident in our lives if we're going to run and carry on. And the first one is this. It's to throw off. To throw off. In the Greek, the word is apotithemi. And it means this. To throw off. There's nothing rather profound about the word. It means to throw off, to cast aside, to lay aside, to throw off. But what's interesting is how the writer writes it. The sense and the tense in which he uses it. He writes it in a way that states that we must take the initiative. We must throw off whatever hinders us in the sin that entangles us. We must do it. We must take the action. Nobody is going to come and do it for us. If we're going to run this race, if we're going to persist in our faith, if we're going to follow the course that's marked out for us, we need to throw some things off. And the reality is you have to throw it off. It's a very personal statement. It's a very direct statement. It's one of those mirror in the moment statements. You have to take the initiative to throw it off for yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. God won't do it for you. God will give you grace and God will give you mercy and God will give you strength and he will give you wisdom and understanding. But at the end of the day, we have to cast aside. We have to make the conscious choice to set some things down. We have to make that choice to let go. We have to do it And we have to do it for ourselves. We can't do it for someone else. We can't speak into their life and make them do it. We have to take the initiative and do it for ourselves. So cast aside, throw off. The first discipline is to throw off those things. And we have to make that decision. What he says to throw off, though, is oftentimes what catches us up. The first thing that he talks about is throw off everything that hinders you. The word there carries the idea of that which constricts us, that which weighs us down. 
In the passage, he's, he's using it uh, metaphorically in the sense of a runner who runs a race. And he says, a runner who runs a race is going to strip away, is going to throw off, is going to cast aside anything that constricts him, anything that weighs him down. He's going to get as light as possible so that he can run as freely as possible in the direction that he has to run. Obviously, you're looking at me this morning knowing that I have such a runner's body that I speak from experience. The reality is we need to let go of the things that will constrict us in our path and in our run and in our walk with God. The things that, that are holding us tight, that, that keep us from, from running freely and openly in the direction that God has for us. The writer of Hebrews says, this is what you need to throw off. This is what you need to cast aside. That which is superfluous, that which is pressing on against me, that which is weighing us down. Have you ever felt weighed down in your heart? Have you ever felt weighed down in your spirit? Have you ever felt in those moments where it's not actually a physical thing, but you just can't breathe? And you feel like when you take inventory of your life and you take inventory of your heart, you just feel so weighed down. And you can't run the race that God has marked for you. Maybe it's you're too busy. Maybe it's our own laziness. Maybe it's it's apathy. Maybe we just don't care. And so when we think about walking in the way that God has asked us to, when we think about fixing our, our, moral and, our moral compass to God's true north, when we think about that, perhaps there's an element of apathy and we just don't care. And that weighs us down. And that hinders our ability to run full out, full bore with God. Perhaps it's a, it's a relationship. Perhaps we're in a relationship with someone that just keeps us constrained and we're not able to run with our faith. Perhaps it's our priorities and we've just said, you know what, I'm all good with God, I'm all good with Jesus, but to actually walk and live with that, that way, nah, you know what, I'm going to think about it later. For some of us, it's addiction. Some of us have very real addictions that constrain us and keep us from running in the way that God would want us to run. It's very subjective. Each one of these hindrances is very subjective. And what we need to do is we need to recognize in our own life that which God shows us is a hindrance for our own life and in our own pursuit of Him. And we need to take that initiative to throw it off. And because it's very subjective, it would be completely out of uh, inappropriate to think that what hinders me is something that hinders you. Therefore, if I throw this off, this kind of relationship, this kind of priority, this kind of of, uh, schedule adjustment, then you should too. Because in my life, it's hindering me. So I'm going to let go of it. It would be completely inappropriate to look at somebody around you and say, therefore, you should throw it off as well. 
The hindrances are very subjective. If I am convicted in an area of my life to not, not participate in a certain thing, not to be involved in a certain area, that's for me to own. And that's not for somebody else to own. Just as I can't look at somebody else and observe their life and how they operate their life and take their um, convictions and place them upon me. The convictions are personal. The hindrances are subjective. Whatever hinders you, you need to throw those things off. But that which is very objective is the other thing that the writer tells us that we need to let go of. And that's sin. Sin is very objective. What's true in God's Word about sin is true for all of us, for all people in all places at all times. It's, it's wrong. We've missed the mark. When we live in certain ways, when we conduct ourselves with certain behaviors, and it's sin, it's blatant sin, we can turn to the Scriptures and see exactly where God says, this is not the way I want you to live. This is walking apart from me. That's very objective. There's no wiggle room there for us to, to have an argument with God and try to figure out if we can really live this way. And the picture that, that the writer of Hebrews uses here is that we need to throw off the things that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Sin is viewed as, as that which trips us up, that which is wrapped around us like chains wrapped around our legs that is keeping us from really running the race, like a ball and chain anchored to our leg as we try to run the race that God has for us to walk in our faith and to live for Him. We drag this ball and chain trying to run. I want to run, but I can't because this sin has entangled me. And there are moments when the sin whips around in front of us and it trips us up in our life. We are constricted by things that are hindering us. We are entangled by sin that is looking to trip us up in our life. Things like pride, selfishness, anger and jealousy, arrogance and bitterness and shame, hatred, lying, sexual immorality, drunkenness and stealing, and the list goes on. Again, we don't need to guess at what sin is. We don't need to guess at where we miss the mark with God. God's perfectly clear in His Word as to those things that are sin. But to run in a way that is with at peak performance, freely and openly, unencumbered, we need to cast off, and it's only something we can do, we need to throw off what hinders us and the sin that would trip us up and entangle us. The second discipline that the writer talks about in Hebrews, first was this throwing off, and secondly, he says to run. Run the race. Throw these things off and then run. Don't walk this life of faith. Don't saunter through this life of faith. He says to run. 
He says to pick up the pace and move forward and to move at a quick pace, to give it your all. He says to run the race. In the Greek, the word is called, the word is treko. And it means to, to move in haste. It means to run in such a way as to exert yourself, to strive hard for something. To spend your strength in performing or attaining something. You are to give it your all. This life that we have, this path that God has for us to walk, we are not to just walk it, we are to run it. To give everything that we have. To sell out our bodies in the sense that we expand, expend all of our energy. We need to give everything that we have to run this race of faith. We stumble and we fall because we've not thrown off these things. But we need to run when we're free. We don't just come to church and and sit in groups and clusters and and pat each other on the back and and then go about our life. We don't just go about, take on the name Christian and then decide that we can just live however we want. God tells us to run the race with persistence. To run the race with perseverance. It's not a walk. It's not a jog. It's a full out run to where when you're done at the end of the day, you are spent. This is how we're supposed to live our lives. This is how we're supposed to follow Christ. You know what frustrates me? We live in a world where there's no competition anymore. There's no competition in our world anymore. And as a coach, I see this all the time. And as I'm trying to, to help young men become, young boys become young men, it, it completely frustrates me. There's no competition anymore. Because at the end of the game, we all get watermelon and lemonade. When the game's over... The first question isn't, did we win or how did we do? The first question is, who brought the treat? Who brought the Rice Krispies today? Where's my juice box? There's no competition anymore because at the end of the day, everybody gets watermelon and lemonade. And at the end of the season, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody. You can win zero games and you get a trophy at the end of the season. Way to go. Congratulations. You've won nothing, but you get a trophy. We experienced this um, a couple years ago. My daughter was playing softball. It was her first year playing, and she was on a team where there were uh, people who were uh, better than she was because they've been playing two or three years together. It was her first season. Didn't get a lot of playing time. Played every now and then. That was fine. I think we won a handful of games. We lost a lot of games. And somehow, somehow at the end of the season... We made the playoffs. I have no idea what the playoffs were, but we made them. And as the coaches went around telling all the parents that we made the playoffs, you could hear a collective groan. (sighs) One more week. I hope we lose. So in the middle, as, as the playoffs were being set, we get a phone call that we're supposed to contribute, I love this, contribute another $10 to the team so we can all get trophies 
We didn't win anything. There was nothing to, we accomplished nothing. But at the end of the year, we all got trophies. At the end of the day, in my daughter's room, there's a trophy that sits with a softball bat. To this day, I don't think she hit a thing, but she got a trophy. We live in such a non-competitive world. And my fear is that this mentality has is, is, is seeped into the North American church. See, it doesn't really matter if you win or lose. You still get the prize. And in our faith, we're, we're training up young men and young women to tell them it doesn't really matter how you live your life. If you've said a prayer and you've gone to church, you're going to go to heaven. I mean, we all get to heaven, right? I mean, all roads lead to heaven. This is, the, this is the message that we're hearing. There's no competition anymore. There's no sense of urgency. There's no understanding of what's in front of us. We've, we've missed this whole idea that there's something to strive for. There's no urgency anymore in our lives. And I just got to say, we got to wake up. We have to wake up because there is a competition going on. The enemy of God is competing. The enemy of God is competing for your attention. The enemy of God is competing for your money. He's competing for your integrity. He's competing for your character. He's competing for your life. There's a very real enemy that is out there competing against your soul and your spirit and your life. He wants you to live off course with God. He doesn't want you to find your way back. He doesn't want you to live in true harmony with God. He doesn't want you to advance the kingdom. There is a very real enemy of God that competes for your soul and competes for your spirit and competes for your integrity. He's competing for your family. And we saunter through life. I said a prayer. I go to church every now and then. When times get hard, I call my Christian friend. And we just saunter. The writer of Hebrews says, Run! Run in your Christian life. With all that you have, with all that you are, strive, give it all to stay on course, to stay connected, to stay on this path with God. Because there is an enemy that prowls around like a lion looking to destroy your life. He doesn't care an ounce about you. He doesn't care anything about your life and your livelihood and your character. He wants to destroy all of it. He doesn't care. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, wake up. We got to run. We got to run with perseverance and we got to run with persistence. Because the enemy of God is 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 destroying our lives. He causes confusion and fighting and factions. He tempts you to be unethical. He tempts you to be immoral. He wants you to be addicted and strung out. He wants you to to lie and to cheat and to steal. He wants children not only to disobey, but dishonor their parents. 
He wants parents to be drunkards and abusive and ignore their children or incite them to anger and to fits of rage. This is the world that we live in. We live in a world of competition. We fall off course. We fall out of step with God, not because we've had a bad day. Not because we've had a a bad week. We're hindered in our run with God. We're entangled in our race of perseverance because there's a competition for your soul. There's a competition for your spirit and the enemy is waging war against you. Don't tell me there's no competition. Don't tell me that in the end, everyone gets a trophy. Lives are destroyed and legacies are ruined. Testimonies. Your testimony of faith is diminished and the light of the gospel grows more and more dim by those who carry it because we've lost our way. We've gotten off course with God. We've lost sight of who's competing for our soul. Because we've stopped running. We've just stopped running. The Apostle Paul paints a very vivid picture of this. Throughout the New Testament, are sprinkled these metaphors of athletics. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes these words. He says, Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it the spiritual metaphor, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Verse 26, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. There's purpose, there's direction. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. There's discipline in persistence. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Don't you know that in a race, all the runners run? Run in such a way as to win. Shedding off that which hinders you. Shedding off the sin that entangles you so that you can run freely and openly. What's interesting about this word treko in in Hebrews chapter 12 when it talks about running is that it carries with it the, the understanding that you can only run if you've done the other things. You can only run if you've shed the things that hinder you and the sin that entangles you. You can only run when that has been done. 
But at the end of the day, he says, run. There's a competition for our hearts. There's a competition for our attention. There's an enemy that wants to destroy us. Jesus has showed us that there's a fixed path, that there's a fixed way. And in this way, there's life and there's truth. Run in this way. I don't know how well you've been running lately. I don't know what it is that that may hinder you or may trip you up. But I know that God's desire is to take you from however far off course you are to bring you right back on course with Him. He will meet you exactly where you are in exactly the moment that, that you need with everything that you need to bring you back on course with Him. And once you get back on course with Him, don't be content to just sit and watch the world go by, but run. Live your life of faith as though it was a competition because it is. Strain and strive with all that you have to take on the character and the priorities of Christ. Will you run with all of your heart? As we close this morning and our worship team comes up, I want to encourage you today to keep on running. To not quit, to not give up, but to persist. To build into your life that those disciplines that are needed, that however God is convicting you in your heart in this moment, that you would cast those things away. Those things that you own. And whatever sin may be entangled around you, that you would today take the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to stop. Because only I can do this. Only I can make this choice. I need to stop. God will have mercy and God will give you strength and God will give you support and God will give you hope. But you have to stop. You have to throw it aside. As we sing this song, don't leave here today not dealing with what God's saying to your heart. If you want to come and, and, and offer that as a testimony at this altar, you can do that and pray to that end. If you want to do that where you're seated, you can do that as well. But don't leave here today without an honest, open dialogue with God. We're all flawed. There's nobody perfect. God is looking for people who will reorient their lives to the way of Christ and run.